You're listening to a presentation of The Rising. We're always encouraged to know God is changing lives through this ministry. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know and send an email to stories at wearetherising.com. Now, prepare your heart and mind to hear a word from God. Same here. Same here. You know, 13 years ago, I remember sitting in a group with eight other guys, and uh, I introduced myself by saying, hi, my name is James, and I have a sex addiction. So I was in this group because for half my life, from the age of 11 to 22 years old, I had struggled with pornography, and it was an addiction that controlled my life. It's still a battle even today. Uh, At the time, I had had sex outside of marriage, and I was having sex outside of marriage at the time. And here's the thing, I was a Christian. Like, I was a Christian on staff at a church. I was jacked up. I was so messed up. I was so flawed. And I went to this sexual addiction recovery group. Really, I I checked myself into rehab uh, because I just realized that if I didn't overcome this, if I didn't stop this, if something didn't change in my life, then my life was going to be a wreck. And I sat in this group with guys who were older than me. They were in their 30s and and their 40s. And some of them were being divorced because of the addiction that they had. Some of them had run up debt because of online pornography and chat lines and even soliciting prostitutes. Some of the guys in the group uh, had really figured out how to live in two worlds, one with their addiction and then one with normal life. And and after a while, they just got tired of visiting two different worlds and uh, they were there for help. And I sat there looking at these guys, hearing their stories, and I just realized if I didn't change something, my life was gonna look like theirs and I didn't want that. And so I sat in rehab, I sat in this recovery group wanting to get better. And here's the thing, I knew God. I followed God, I believed in God, I loved God, but my addiction had the best of me. I heard about this one guy who, uh, when he was in high school, he chose cocaine to be uh, his partner at the parties. And uh, he would engage in, in doing cocaine just as a pastime. But when he got older, he graduated, he went to college. Cocaine went from being his partner at parties to being his master. He was addicted to cocaine. He was a slave to cocaine. But now, if you got to know him, if you, if you spent any time with him, you'd, you'd realize and understand that he doesn't have a drug addiction anymore. And, and he's a well-adjusted, healthy, whole, happy guy. Do you know what happened to him? Rehab happened to him. There's this girl that I heard about. She, she grew up hearing her mom just tell her about um, her weight all the time. She just constantly commented on her weight and she kept telling her, you know, guys don't like chunky girls. And so this girl grew up with this insecurity about her weight and she wanted to control her weight so she started making herself throw up. She would eat and purge and she was bulimic and she hated it. She hated that she did this. She, she wanted to stop, but even though she could control her weight with her bulimia, she couldn't control herself and she couldn't stop. Like no matter how hard she tried, no matter what she did, she couldn't overcome this. But if you got to know her now, if you spent some time with her, you'd see that she doesn't have an eating disorder anymore. She, she's a happy, whole, healthy, well-adjusted woman. As you know what happened to her? Rehab happened to her. See, just like with my sexual addiction, just like this guy's cocaine addiction, just like this girl's eating disorder, we all went to rehab and we were able to find recovery. See, when somebody goes to rehab, 
and it works and they work the program, it's like they're such a better person. Have you ever talked to somebody who went to rehab and came out on the other side and like it worked for them and they worked the program? Like sometimes I get jealous talking to those people. Because they have a whole new perspective on life. They've learned some things about themselves as they went through the process of rehab. And like, I listen to them and they're happier, they're healthier, they're whole. And there's times where I'm like, man, I want to be you. Like, I want to live the life you're living. And it's all because they went to rehab. But here's the thing. Rehab doesn't equal recovery. See, there's another part of that equation that I left out. It's not rehab equals recovery. The, the, the full equation is actually God plus rehab equals recovery. And this is actually what Bill W. and Dr. Bob Smith, the founders of Alcoholics Anonymous, discovered when they came up with the 12 steps. Uh, See, the second step in the 12-step program is this. Uh, We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. So the truth is this. You can't have rehab without God. In order for you to have rehab, you need to have God. And in order for you to have recovery, it's God plus rehab equals recovery. Now, there's some people that I know, some friends that I have that have some problems. And they have a lot of problems. Same here. Um, but they're jacked up. Like, there's this, there's this one girl that I know who she's so insecure, she needlessly apologizes all the time. Right? She just constantly says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. After everything, she says, I'm sorry. She thinks everything is her fault. And no matter how many times her friends try and tell her, listen, you don't have to say I'm sorry. It's not your fault. Stop saying it. And they try and build her up. None of it helps. She's just stuck in this insecurity and she keeps needlessly apologizing. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. There, there's this one guy I know. He's really driven. Like he's really successful. He's great. He's amazing. But the motivation for his drivenness is that he's trying to please his dad. Like his whole life, he's been trying to please his dad. And and his thinking is, if I could just get my dad to say, well done, son, good job, way to go, then I'll be good. But the problem is this guy's dad died years ago. And even now he tries to get his dad's approval. He's seeking approval he'll he'll, he'll never get. Like he's trying to get approval from a ghost. There's some parents that I know who they want to be great parents. Like they want to be the best parents ever. But the problem is they keep belittling their kids and they can't seem to stop yelling at them when they get frustrated. There's, there's this one guy that I know who like he could be awesome. He could be great. But his problem is he's lazy. Like he just doesn't do anything with his life. He's so talented. He's so skilled. But he's so lazy. And there's, there, there's people that I know who they want to they quit smoking, but they can't seem to stop. And there's people who want to start working out, but they can't seem to start. There's, there's several couples that I know that they don't have boundaries with their in-laws. And because of that, it's frustrating on their marriage and it drives a wedge between them. Like there's a ton of people that I know who have all sorts of problems. But here's the thing. They have God. Like they believe in God. They love God. They follow God. But they're still stuck in a cycle of sabotage. You know, for me, with my sexual addiction, I tried everything I could to overcome it. Like, I even prayed to God, and I was like, God, would you just take this away? Would you stop me from doing this? I don't want to do this anymore, but I still struggle with the addiction. And see, here's the thing. All those people that I just listed, all those problems I just told you about, those are people who had God. And the answer for them isn't that they just need more faith. They have that. Really, what they need is rehab. Because God plus rehab equals recovery.
See, you can't have rehab without God, and rehab doesn't equal recovery. And here's the other thing, and it might sound wrong when I say it, but it's so true, because it's your experience, and it's my experience also, God doesn't equal recovery. Because I had God, and I wasn't recovering. These people I just listed have God, but they're not recovering for you in your own life. You can look at your own experience and some of the struggles that you have, and you're like, I have God, I believe, I follow, I trust, but you're still stuck in this cycle. Because the truth is, God plus rehab equals recovery. I love, I love what Chris Rock says about rehab. Here's, here's what he says. Um, he said, I don't get high, but sometimes I wish I did. That way... When I mess up in life, I would have an excuse. But right now, there's no rehab for stupidity. There's no rehab for stupidity. If you got a drinking problem, you can check yourself into rehab and get better. You got a drug addiction, you can check yourself into rehab and get better. You got a sexual addiction, there's a 12-step program for that. You got an eating disorder, you can check yourself into rehab for that. But if you're stupid, there's no rehab for that. And a lot of us have done a lot of stupid in our lives. Right? If, if you're somebody who needs to forgive, you can't check yourself into rehab for forgiveness. There's no rehab for lazy people. There's no 12-step program for moms who keep comparing themselves with other moms thinking that they're not good enough. You can't check yourself into rehab if you got a problem with your phone and you keep looking at it, looking for likes on Instagram. There is no rehab for that. But if God plus rehab equals recovery... Well, in order for us to find recovery from the problems in our life, what do we do? We need to check ourselves into rehab. So if you got a problem with forgiving, develop a drinking problem. No, don't do that. If you got a problem with being liked by other people, you shouldn't get a drug addiction so you can go to rehab. If, if, if you have a problem with comparing yourself with other people or being lazy, please don't develop an eating disorder to go to rehab, but we need rehab to recover. So what about the rest of us? What about the people who don't have a drinking problem or a drug addiction or an eating disorder? How, how do we get help? How do we experience recovery? Well, that's where the series comes in, rehab for the rest of us. Because the truth is, God plus rehab equals recovery, and I want for each and every one of us to experience recovery, but in order for, for us to do that, we don't need just God, but we also need to go through rehab, and this series is rehab for the rest of us. Over the next four weeks, I'm going to take you through rehab. We're going to check ourselves in and go through a rehab program, and this is a rehab program for everybody who needs to forgive. This is a rehab program for everybody who procrastinates. This is a rehab program for all the lazy people. This is a rehab program for all the broken people, all the people who are frustrated in life. This is a rehab program for the people who feel stagnant. This is also a rehab program for all the people who say, I'm okay. This is a rehab program for you. Over the next four weeks, we're going to do a rehab program for all the people who say, I'm fine. I got it together. This is a rehab program for you. And so over the next four weeks, because I want us to experience recovery in our life, you have gone, many of you, but we need to go through rehab. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to go through rehab for the rest of us. Y'all ready to check yourselves in? Here we go. Rehab for the rest of us, because God plus rehab equals recovery. Now, as we check ourselves in, would you do me a favor? Turn to Romans chapter 7. And we're going to start reading in verse 14. It's rehab for the rest of us. Romans chapter 7, verse 14. Romans chapter 7, verse 14. Now, 
as we go through rehab for the rest of us, as we go through rehab together to, to discover recovery, um, what we're going to do is we're going to work through the 12 steps of recovery. And I've condensed them because if you think, well, there's 12 steps, this is four weeks long, you're a good math major. Um, I've condensed them so that we'll cover several steps each week. But this isn't just some self-help thing. Again, God plus rehab equals recovery. But we need to work the steps in order to get whole and healthy. Because what happened for me, what happened for all those people I told you about who had a life change was rehab. So rehab for the rest of us. Now, the first step in rehab is that we have to admit that we have a problem. And so the title for my sermon is this, if you would take a moment to write it down, is my problem with me and everything else. My problem with me and everything else. And so I'm going to tell you my problem with me. I'm going to tell you your problem with you. And I'm going to tell you the reason why you have a problem with everything else. Rehab for the rest of us. Here we go. Romans chapter 7. Now, the person who's writing Romans is a guy named Paul. And Paul was this guy who, before he became a Christian, he used to kill Christians. He made it his life mission to stamp out the church. But then he became a Christian uh, after meeting the resurrected Jesus. His life was forever changed. So he goes from killing Christians to becoming a Christian. He goes from stamping out the church to starting churches all over the Roman world. Paul was a guy who wrote a third of the New Testament in our scriptures. Like if there was such thing as a super Christian, Paul was him, right? And here's what Paul writes to the church in Rome. He's, he's talking to them about uh, his problem. And in this chapter, he writes about not just his problem, but he writes about your problem. He writes about my problem too. Here's, here's what he said our problem is. Romans chapter 7, verse 14. He said, the trouble is with me. What's wrong with me? Me. <laughs> I'm what's wrong with me. The trouble is with me. For I am all too human, a slave to sin. This is your problem. This is my problem. This is Paul's problem. Sin. The problem we have with us, the problem we have with everything else in our life is sin. He said, this is my problem. I'm a slave to sin. See, I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. And then skip down to verse 18. And I know that nothing good lives in me. I mean, that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what's right, but I can't. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. If I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It's sin living in me that does it. That's my problem. It's sin. I've discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what's right, I inevitably do what's wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. The power, this power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. And so this is the problem right here. Paul says, my problem, your problem, his problem is sin. And when he talks about sin, here's what he says. Uh, he uses the Greek word hamartia. Let me hear you say hamartia. <laughs> Good. A little more gusto. Hamartia. Great. So Paul is writing to the Romans in the Greek language, and the Greek word that he uses for sin is hamartia. Now, the definition for hamartia isn't a word. We have sin as a definition. But the definition for hamartia, the definition for sin is actually a phrase. And the definition for sin, this is what he says our problem is, is that we miss the mark. Hamartia is to miss the mark. And this is our problem. We miss the mark. Now, this concept is like this. Um, 
When my wife and I go to the shooting range and we take our SIG P320 9mm pistol and my wife is aiming down the range, she's aiming at the target. Really what she's aiming at is the bullseye. And so as she's aiming our gun at the bullseye, her goal is to light that bullseye up with some lead. And so she lines up the sights and puts it on the target, right on the bullseye. And when she compresses the trigger, if that nine millimeter bullet hits the bullseye, she has hit her target. That is not sin, that is not hamartia. She has hit what she was aiming for. Now, if my wife is aiming downrange and she misses the bullseye, she misses the mark, that's hamartia, that's sin, to miss the mark. But here's the thing that you need to understand about my wife. If she misses the bullseye, she's still hitting the target because she's a good shot. She's actually a better shot than I am. And because of that, I feel sorry for any home intruder who tries to come into our house because mean Irene will unload a clip of hollow points in somebody and smile the whole time. She is five feet of fury. You don't want to mess with her. Our house is defended by the holy trinity of home defense. God, Irene, and Sig Sauer. I'm just letting you know. She's a good shot. But if she's aiming down the range and she misses the target, misses the bullseye, that's sin, hamartia, she has missed the mark. And Paul says, that's his problem. That's my problem. That's your problem. We are aiming at the target of God's perfection and we've all missed the mark. Because God has called us to something greater. God has called us to something more. And we try, we do our best, but there's times we miss the mark. And so I'm pursuing purity, but lust keeps punching me. I miss the mark. I, I want to forgive, but bitterness has got me down. Right? I, I want to believe the best in others, but assuming the worst just keeps bombarding me. And so I want to do what's right. I want to do what God has called me to, but sin causes me to miss the mark. And so this is the problem that each and every one of us has. And Paul says, this is the struggle within me. And here's the thing with sin. When we sin, when we miss the mark, we cause ourselves to fall short of all that God has called us to. And ultimately what it does is it hurts us. See, sin is everything you've ever done to hurt yourself. Sin is everything you've ever done to hurt other people. Sin is all the regret that you have in your life. It's all the shame that you have in your life. It's all the, sin is the reason that you would point to your life and you would say, you know, I'm not perfect. And it's because of this. Sin is the thing that you do where afterwards you say, I can't believe that I did that. Sin is the thing that, that when you engage in it, you just know that you're missing something, even though you might follow God, even though you might say, you know, I got some stuff together. There's still something in you where you say, I feel like something's missing and it's sin that's causing that. Because here's what sin will do. Sin will distort the good that God has given. Sin distorts the good that God has given. See, God created us to live a life uh, way better than we could ever imagine. But oftentimes we settle just short of God's best for us when we engage in sin. Because again, sin distorts the good that God has given. And so the promotion that somebody got that should be cause for praise with you, sin comes in, distorts it, and makes it jealousy for you. Well, I can't believe they got that promotion. I should have got that job. But uh, Don't be jealous of their promotion. Praise it. That's sin in you that's causing the jealousy and the bitterness. 
What sin does is it takes the good gift of sex that God has given to be enjoyed between one man and one woman in marriage for life. He takes, sin takes that good gift of God and it distorts it to make it lust, to make it all sorts of things that it shouldn't be. What sin does is it takes the patience that we should have and it turns it into despair. Sin takes uh, the confidence that we have and it distorts it into arrogance. Sin turns praise into gossip. Sin takes the good that God has given and it distorts it into something that it shouldn't be. And here's the thing, you and I oftentimes defend our sin. Well, this is the way I was raised. This is what society says. Well, I know God says that, but, I know God's word says, but that's outdated and that was, oftentimes what'll happen is we will defend our sin that we're sitting in because it just feels right to us. And we will stay stuck and defend our stuckness. But sin is our problem, and you cannot overcome your problem. I cannot overcome my problem until we admit that we have a problem. And Paul says, I got a problem. I know what I want to do, but I don't do it. What I don't want to do, that's what I keep on doing. And here's what sin is also. Sin is rebellion against God. Sin is us essentially saying, God, I know you say this, but I'm going to go my own way. I know you say to live this way, but I think I know better than you, and I'm going to do my own thing. And when we engage in sin, what happens is we separate ourselves from God. Here's how uh, Paul wrote about it to the church in Rome earlier in his letter. He says, Romans 3.23, for everyone has sinned. Again, this is my problem. This is your problem. This is our problem with everything else. Everyone has sinned and we fall short of God's glorious standard. We have missed the mark of God's standard. And then he says this, uh, here's the consequences of sin. The wages of sin is death. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. You know what a wage is, don't you? A wage is something you earn. A wage is something you deserve. And so if you go to work and you put in some work, your wages are what you earn. You get paid your wages. And so you go to your job, you do your work, and your boss, she pays you. You have now gotten what you deserve. And what Paul says is that the wages of our sin, what we deserve because of our rebellion against God, what we deserve is separation. Now, the word that uh, Paul uses here is translated as death. The Greek word is thanatos. Let me hear you say thanatos. Yeah. Now, thanatos, death, means separation. Death is separation of life from the body. When we die, our life is separated from our body. He says the wages of sin is death. Not only life being separated from the body, but us being separated from God. Because we have said to God, I think I know better than you when we sin. I think I know better than you. And so I'm going my own way. I am separating myself from you. And this is a problem. Because you and I were created to be in relationship with God. But when we sin, when we choose our own way, we separate ourselves from him. Not just forever in eternity, but here and now. And God has come to say, I want to lead you to the life you've always longed to live. I want you to live life to the full, and that can only be found in me. 
So when we sin, we separate ourselves from the life God has called us to. We, call, we separate ourselves from living life to the full, and we can't experience all that God has called us to because of the sin that we sometimes defend, because of the sin that we allow to be in our life, because of this problem that we have waging war within us that we often don't do anything about. And so he said, listen, I, I have come that you might have life and life to the full. That's John 10, 10. This is what Jesus says, but there's another time Jesus is trying to teach this to his disciples, to his followers. And imagine he's walking through a vineyard as he's doing this because here's what he says. He says, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. The branches are connected to the vine. The vine gives life to the branches. He says, I'm the life giver, you're connected to me. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If you're separated from me, you cannot produce what you want to produce. You will not see the fruit God wants to do in your life come to fruition. You, you will not be able to live the life that I've set aside for you if you're separated from me, if you have this sin problem. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. And so Paul says the problem with him, the problem with me, the problem with you is sin. We have a sin problem and the reason it's a problem is because it separates us from God. You felt that way, haven't you? When you've engaged in whatever it is you knew you shouldn't have engaged in, afterwards you felt so far from God. Maybe you felt ashamed, maybe you felt distant, I know that's how I was. There were times I would engage and looking at pornography, and then afterwards, I would feel like God was so far from me. But the truth is, God wasn't far from me. I was far from him. God didn't leave me. He didn't abandon me. He didn't desert me, but I walked away from him. And over and over again, I felt ashamed. I felt, I felt uh, d- disgraced. I felt, I mean, I mean, there was something wrong with me. I needed help. And if I continued in that, then I would have stayed separated from him. I had a problem. And I needed to admit it. Paul said, my problem is sin and it's waging war within. Here's here's how Paul admits the problem he has. It's in Romans 7, 24. He says, I got a sin problem. It's waging war within. I want to do right, but I don't. I don't I, I don't want to do wrong, but I keep doing wrong. And then at the end of that, he says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? I have a problem. And I need help. I need somebody to free me from this. Because I can't do it on my own. In the 12 Steps program, you say, I have a problem. And I'm powerless to overcome my problem on my own. I got a problem. I got a problem. Paul says, I have a problem. You know what I would say to him? Same here. Same here. You got a problem. You know what I'd say to you? Same here. I do too. You know, I find it fascinating that sometimes people will come to church and they'll be going through some issue. I mean, maybe things are good or whatever, but then they're going through some issue. They got problems in their marriage. They develop a drinking problem, a sex problem. They uh, get some insecurities. Uh, They get overwhelmed in life, whatever it is. 
and, and people will, will stop coming to church because of the problems in their life. And they feel like they gotta go and work out their problems before they can come back. I talk to so many people who do this. They, they, they come and things are great and everything, but then they go through some problems. They got some darkness in their life. Something creeps up and now all of a sudden they, they stop coming. The reason probably is because they feel ashamed. They feel like they can't show up because they're, they're not perfect. But, but can, I just, can I just let you in on, on an insight? Um, you're not perfect. Same here. Same here. I'm not perfect either. Who, who, whoever came up with the notion that you had to be perfect to go to church? Because if that were the case, then none of us would be here because none of us are perfect. I find it fascinating too that some people say the reason why I don't go to church is because the church is filled with hypocrites. What? Are you kidding me? What's your understanding of people who go to church? Do you think they're perfect? See, people think that when people go to church, they're perfect. And when they don't act perfect, now they're hypocrites. But the problem is the church isn't for perfect people. The church is for people with problems. The church is for jacked up, messed up people just like me. What do you mean the church is filled with hypocrites? Of course. Because we're not perfect. And there's room for you too. How about you get off your high horse and come on and get in with a group of people who got some problems. That's why we're here, because we need Jesus, because we have some problems. You know, today we're, we're, starting, or we're celebrating our four-year anniversary, and uh, man, it has been an amazing four years. Um, Man, I am so excited about today. You know, I, 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 am, I am amazed at what God has done in and through us over the past four years. You know, most churches don't make it past their first year. Uh, a, a lot more of those churches, about 80% of churches never make it past year three. And here we are celebrating four years as a church. It's phenomenal. We've done some amazing things. We've seen some amazing things. We've seen hundreds of people baptized. We've seen thousands of people come through our doors. We've given away thousands of shoes to organizations like Souls for Souls so that people who didn't have shoes could have shoes. We've collected over a ton of food for the food bank in our area. We did the, the largest egg drop the city of Norfolk has ever seen. 4,000 people in attendance, 40,000 eggs dropped, several thousand from a helicopter. Uh, we, I think, maybe, quite possibly, we're the first church in our area to serve beer on Father's Day. I don't know. But we've done some great and amazing things. But let me tell you why I started this church. I started this church for people just like me. I started this church so that I would have a place that I could go and be loved. I, I started this church so that people could know that regardless of who you are and where you've been and what you've done, God loves you. And so do we. That God loves you for who you are and not as you should be. Because none of us are as we should be. I started this church for people who are jacked up and broken and messed up just like me. And I want to let you know, as we celebrate four years, you know, I didn't have the language for it four years ago, but we have the language for it now. We are a same here church. And so if you're broken, same here. If you got problems, same here. If you struggle with insecurities, same here. If you don't have it all together, same here. If you're somebody who needs hope and help, same here. 
Even if you think you have it all together and you've fallen on your face, same here. Same here. And this is what Paul says. I got a problem. Super Christian Paul who started churches all over the Roman world. This guy who people look up to. This this guy who wrote a third of the New Testament. He says, I'm messed up. And I need help. That's my problem with me. And that's my problem with everything else. It's sin in my life. And it's not just something that happened back then. It's here and now. It is still a struggle. It is still a battle. I don't have it all together and neither do you. And that's why we need one another. That's why we exist. You got problems? Same here. Same here. Here's how Paul says it. The trouble's with me. For I am all too human. A slave to sin. I don't really understand myself. I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I've discovered this principle in life that when I want to do what's right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me, that is still within me, that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. I've tried to make it right, but I can't. I've tried to overcome, but I can't. I... I've done everything I can. And so who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Same here, Paul. Hi, my name is James. And I have a problem with sin. Same here. Same here, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin? See, the first step in recovery is admitting that you have a problem. And you have a problem. Same here. And so now that we've admitted that we have a problem, now that we know that we have a problem, it's the the right that we want to do, but we don't do. It's the wrong we don't want to do, but we keep on doing. Now that we've admitted that we have a problem, and I'm saying we've admitted that we have a problem, but I don't know if you have yet. My hope is that you have. But once you admit that you have a problem, now you can move on in the rest of recovery. And so this is our first group therapy session. I hope it's been helpful for you. I hope you realize now that you're not alone. We're all in the same boat. We all got a problem. Same here. That's the first step to recovery. But I feel like I can't leave us here. Just sitting in our sin. I got a problem. Same here. You know, the next two steps are... We we admitted that that there's a God who, who can help us and we turn everything over to Him. And so if you got a problem, which you do... I got a problem. There's good news. 
sin leads to separation, which is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. Here's how Paul says it. He says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And then watch this next verse, verse 25. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. You got a problem, same here. But thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank God that Jesus said, you got a problem, but I'll be your solution. I will take your sin on my sinless shoulders and take it to the cross. And I will give my life so that you can have life. Jesus said, I'll be the solution to your problem. I'll be the one to take away your shame. I'll be the one to take away your regret. I'll be the one to take away your brokenness and your flaws. I will be the one to redeem you. I will be the one to raise you up. I will be the one to make you right. I will be the one who will resurrect you. Same here. I will be the solution to your problem. you can't just show up to rehab when it's convenient but you gotta show up saying come on I believe this is a series that's gonna help break the cycle of addiction for so many of us and maybe for you it is an addiction but for many of us it's gonna help us forgive it's gonna help us lay aside the bitterness it's gonna help you become the person God is calling you to be because God plus rehab equals recovery. So make sure you're here for the rest of this series. You can go ahead and take your seat. 
You know, each and every week we take a moment to remind ourselves of the grace God has given us. We take a moment to remind ourselves that we're all in the same boat as we take communion together. Members from our VIP team are gonna come down in a little bit and they're gonna pass out trays and in those trays are stacks of cups. The bottom cup has some bread, it reminds us of Jesus' body that was broken for us. The top cup has some juice, it reminds us of his blood that was shed for us. I wanna invite you during this time of communion to take communion anytime as our band plays and let it be a reminder that you're surrounded by people who also have a problem. Same here. But Jesus is our solution. We are powerless over our problem, but God is powerful, more powerful than our problem. Let this be a reminder for you today that recovery is not something that's far off, but recovery is right in front of you. Because the thing you're struggling with right now, Jesus has already gained the victory over it. And you don't have to live in it anymore. You don't have to live it in anymore. He's come that you might have life, and life to the full. Would you pray with me? God, I want to thank you so much that we're celebrating four years as a church. Thank you that over the past four years, we've seen people just as broken and messed up as I am come through the doors and find recovery. Jesus, thank you that you love us for who we are and not as we should be. Because none of us are as we should be, even if we think we have ourselves fooled. Jesus, thank you that you came to become the solution for our problem. And for the sin that so many of us are struggling with, I pray today, God, that you would remind us that you've already defeated it. And we don't have to live this way. 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 Thank you for the victory you've brought in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray you were inspired and encouraged by today's message. If you'd like to support this ministry financially, sign up to serve on a team, join a group, or just find out more information on The Rising, visit us at wearetherising.com.